We are right in the middle of a triple header, which is, by the way, sidebar, a lot. Triple headers, a lot. <laughs> for the drivers, for the teams, for the people working it, for us covering it, just for fans. It's a lot. And the show has a lot in it. So we start by addressing just how much Mercedes let down their lead driver this weekend. And no, we don't leave it as an elephant in the room this week. We promise we get into all of it. You will hear all the emotion. Then we turn that same emotion and ire on the FIA and their weird inspection process and on the F1 for their sprint race weekends. No, these are not re new reasons for intense frustration, but this is our podcast and we need to vent. And we hope you all feel the same way and want to listen to us vent. And this is all a community and space for us to just be frustrated and sad. But then we move on to less sad things and to the exciting things because Andy from Red Racer Books is here. He's joining us this week for all of our podiums of the race weekend. So stay tuned for those scattered throughout the entire show today. Provide some much needed levity from our frustrations above. After a star-studded Coda weekend, Nicole has a massive, massive gossip grid for us this week. Who was at the race? What media covered the race? And what European driver can we picture eating a burrito? And that was my addition to Gossip Grid. I took us sideways. Stay tuned. <laughs> Speaking of big announcements, though, that involve celebrities, F1 and Puma announced ASAP Rocky as the creative director of their upcoming partnership. We discussed why we're interested in this, why we're so excited. Lots of good things merchandise-wise we see coming in the future. The Formula One Academy wrapped up their inaugural season this past week. Make sure you subscribe and follow Gridwalk. And we're going to be dropping a special F1 Academy season review bonus episode this upcoming week, Tuesday, October 31st. After all of that, we turn our attention from recapping the USGP to previewing and predicting the Mexican GP that is upcoming this weekend. And lastly, as always, we end the show with the L Sector Notes, one story you should know from every team on the grid. That wraps up the formation lap for episode 40 of Gridwalk, a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire F1 grid. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Also, leave us a comment. Liking, subscribing are great, but like interacting as a comment unbelievably helps us. Let us know what your thoughts were on do you think Lewis could have won this weekend? Because we sure do, and that's why we're so frustrated. <laughs> Also, if you're listening on audio, we also love you for there. If you hit the follow button, turn on auto downloads, and leave us a review, these are all things that really help support the show. Cool down our wind up on the grid. It's lights out, and away we go. This week's grid walk. It was a weekend. A weekend things happened. Occurred. <laughs> okay. So I have lots of thoughts and feelings. We are not going to leave all the Lewis Hamilton stuff as the elephant in the room this week. We, are, we can't. We can't. The elephant um, is too big. It's taking up too much room. Right. And uh, I always feel like when we have a different, a slightly different opinion or like a contrary to like the popular narrative opinion or something like that, I feel like it's actually worth us talking about versus like piling on like, yeah, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton shouldn't have crashed. Like whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Um, Mercedes let down their lead driver so many times this weekend. That race was unbelievably winnable by Lewis Hamilton. And we're going to push the like disqualification conversation to the side for a second and just talk about the ways that Lewis should have won this race. He spent seven seconds in pit stops. If he just had normal pit stops, 
He would have made up the two seconds that would have put him on par with Max. He lost the race by two seconds. They were too late on the strategy call. He lost, um, I, oh, I should have looked up the exact number, but he lost more than two seconds in two laps because they pit him too late and they were too slow making that decision. Like he was on the right strategy as exhibited by it, but it was just two laps. And then like you heard it over the radio and the team basically was like, yep, Max is in the window. Like, I don't know how many times, like Mercedes has been forced into situations to make different strategy calls this year because the car is too slow. But pitting first this year has been so strong. I always confuse my undercut and overcut, so I'm not going to use it. But when you pit first, that has worked almost every time this season. Like not taking Max out of it, just like when you're in this T2 race, and Mercedes seems to always be the team going long and pitting last, and then it doesn't work. And they don't know, ah, it's so frustrating. So it's just, Lewis had the pace to win this weekend. We could have been celebrating a win, again, ignoring the disqualification for a second. I can't believe, why does the team keep letting him down like this? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, seven seconds is like a year in pit stops. Oh um, to your point, I remember, like hearing the radio of like this is max it's like i think we're fighting for p2 and if not a win and i was like they said the words they said things like that felt like an unreal feeling and then everything like came tumbling down you know as quickly as it does and, and... but watching him at the end of the race he's tracking down max max is dealing with brake issues this was the race that he could have won if like if you gave Lewis George's pit stops, and I'm not, I'm not here for any conspiracy thing. I'm just like the randomness of it. If he just got George's very mediocre 2.5 and 2.6 pit stops because Mercedes can't be good at pit stops, then we would have Lewis would have caught up by the last lap, and like who knows what would have actually happened if he would have won. But like, come on, you need to lose the race by more than what you're losing in the pits. Is all I'm saying, or I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> like. As my major coping, and just it needs to be said of acknowledging this, the disqualification, is my brain is happy this didn't happen so that I didn't have to see the disqualification take the win away because that just would have, I, I would have been done. I don't even think we would have been able to record a podcast episode this week. I would have been so unbelievably distraught. But putting that We probably aside, would have screamed for five minutes and uploaded that. That would have been it. That would have been it. In anger, one of us in tears. It was an unbelievably frustrating race to watch weekend and then just the aftermath I, it was uh, that's that's yeah. that's what i got for you i if the upgrades worked it, i want to be here talking about how encouraging it is that the upgrades work but why can't mercedes operate at the level these other teams operate every week and why does it always feel like it's coming down to like lewis i shouldn't I was about to make a Ferrari connection and I refuse to make it on this podcast, but why- I was about to when you were done. That was gonna be the next point that I make. It was like, it does feel like we're kind of talking not about Mercedes and it does feel like we're talking about a certain red team. If they go into next season with a competitive package, and I don't think the strategy has been that bad this year. So like, they, they need to clean some stuff up. But pit stops are fixable. It has been way too long. 
Mercedes spent the middle of the road most times in the pits. And all the the five teams ahead of them who were faster are all their competitors. Like Mercedes is doing well despite the fact that their pit crew is below average. Like they're doing well despite the fact that I feel like they're making decisions too slow on the pit wall. Like I don't win. It doesn't make it sense. It, it, no. it seems like that should be like a no brainer of something that like Mercedes should be really good at, especially because it's probably one of the things that you can most consistently practice in this sport. Right. Right. And last you can't year, practice too much because of conditions and things that you, you can pretty, you can practice the pit stop. And I know that Toto said last year that they had to like not do a bunch of pit stop practice because they were dealing with uh, not understanding the upgrades and there were other things that were going on. And I was okay to give them the pass for last year, but this is now this year and I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. We shouldn't be no more leading. Pass. Yeah. Why are we leading the show with Mercedes lets down Lewis again? Like, I feel like, ah, all right. The final way that Mercedes let down Lewis again is in the setup. So I think there's two parts of this that are worth talking about. I want to talk about Mercedes letting Lewis down and what this means for like championship points. And then we will touch on afterwards, um, like why the FIA does checks this way and uh, why only four cars were checked. So I'm putting, I'm putting the FIA's madness aside and we'll go into the wild in a second in that. But first, setup in a car, while the drivers have input in what feels better for them, the car being too low to the ground and there being plank wear is a team letting Lewis down. I say again, the team let Lewis down in this. Yeah, I, it literally, the news, I'm like, this, how, how has this happened? And yeah, you can go into one free practice, car set up, blah, blah. But like, hello, so come on. Michael. So did McLaren. Ugh, then, right. right. I, yeah. I, he should have been disqualified. And so did Oh, Charles. yeah, that's not, yeah, we're not here to be yeah. like, no, he shouldn't have because it wasn't right. his fault. But like, that. I wanted that on the record. On record, right. Yeah. But this, this should not be, to the level that these teams are, and like, the, like this should not be a, a even, and a possibility, let alone this late into the season at this track, this is where this goes down. Particularly, like, with the teams that it did. It just, it feels like this is, like, an elementary mistake. And there's just a little bit more, more to it. I, it's unbelievably frustrating. And it's just so annoying to, like, watch an entire race and, like, that happens after the fact. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, this whole podium celebration for nothing. Like. Team letting Lewis down. He went from being like a race away from passing Checo to 39 points. Ferrari's now close to catching Mercedes in the constructors. McLaren passed Aston Martin because of this. Hey, congratulations, Logan Sargent. You sort of scored points. Yeah, that feels like an awkward thing to celebrate. I'd be really bummed if those were my first points in F1 because, like, they weren't. Yeah. There was that, like, awkward selfie of him on the plane. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, he like, like, probably mm -hmm. wasn't even in, like, American waters anymore by the time he took that picture. Like, <laughs> he was probably over international waters and he couldn't even celebrate his points, like, in America. 
Oh man, I. I the just... only thing that I will give is this whole entire shift made sure that you didn't get any more points in our predictions. But <laughs> yes, I went from taking a five-point lead over Nicole to keeping a three-point lead. I was uh, not joyful about that one. Yeah, yeah. She Brianna did not gain any positivity of that. Meanwhile, I was like sick. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Um, you know, grasping for whatever I can, but it, it just was really disappointing. And it's because you want, you see just so much history of like Lewis with this team and how he'll also consistently like be very vocally and supportive. And like, we just still aren't seeing that on the other side. And that hurts my heart. So like I said to you, when you and I were discussing off pot, cause again, reminder, Nicole and I just only do podcasts with each other all the time. <laughs> I don't actually care about the disqualification at all. Like, this season's a wash. Like, of course I'm rooting for Lewis to get P2, and I'm rooting for Mercedes to get in the constructors, because fan and rooting, and that would be great. But it's a bigger deal to me that the upgrade worked. Like, I'm so freaking hyped that the update worked. So despite the fact that we led the show with 10 minutes of, oh my gosh, I can't believe Mercedes failed Lewis Hamilton in all these different ways, and that's because I want him to win a race. But the reality is, the upgrade worked. Now, if only we could see more of that and it wasn't interrupted by other things throughout the week. That's scary. That's exciting. That makes me feel optimistic things, which is scarier than feeling negative things. And Brazil is in two weeks. Ah! Welcome back to Into the Wild. So, reminder, FIA refs aka the zebras of formula one okay so every single week um by the way if you are still on twitter uh, there's this thing called the fia documents bot and i highly recommend it because you get all the documents it's like an automated bot and then you see everything that the fia is sending out it's very helpful but every week yeah at the end of the race weekend, you get the list of checks they did. And the way the FIA does checks is that they like have the, all the checks they do and they randomly select what cars get every check. I've always known that. So there only being four cars that were checked for plankware was not surprising to me personally because I'm a nerd and I literally get notifications on my phone whenever the FIA documents bot sends anything out. And I read them. <laughs> I read the technical checks at the end of every race. What I didn't realize, and I, I didn't know, I, I guess I've just missed this in my F1 fandom, is that when two different teams fail the plank check, that there's no process then for other cars to get checked. They just go, mm, okay. To me, a 50% fail rate kind of should... I've always assumed, my, I have mentally assumed that that triggers that maybe you at least also check Carlos Sainz and George Russell's cars because they're the same teams. And I love Ferrari and Mercedes, so I'm not rooting for all their cars to be disqualified. Just from a pure fairness aspect, I don't understand how you then don't go and check the rest of the cars. It was just like, oh, you two got unlucky and you were caught and we're not going to now check every, I just, I don't. And then I thought it was just, I missed something in my fandom, and this has always been the case. But Bernie Collins, who's an XF1 engineer for many, many years, and is now a Sky Sports uh, 
presenter and analyst for Formula One even tweeted out that she's like, why didn't they check more? Should they have checked more? And as soon as I saw that, I went, oh, okay, so this is not a dumb thought I'm having. So, because I think Brady Collins is one of the smartest people I've ever heard talk about F1. She was an engineer in there for years. So if she's asking that question, I don't feel bad asking the question. Why didn't they check more cars? Why is that the process? Like, they feel like they implemented step one of a process and didn't do step three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Help! Yeah, it definitely does feel like the, like, oh, these two, okay, that's it. No more. I, we're done. It's, it it feels like there was, like, a curfew that they suddenly had to, like, stop. Again, a backwards ruling makes no sense. In my brain, it's like, oh, probability, then there's gonna be more of them pretty likely, but we're just not gonna address that, and we're not gonna deal with that, and everybody else is just super lucky duckies that week. I don't know. I'm so confused at how that is fair and, like, the most efficient process of it. And also, love Mercedes and love Ferrari, would not want any of those drivers to be disqualified, but, like, it's so bizarre that they then don't go check the other car in that case. I don't... Makes no sense to me. I don't have any feelings anymore. I lost them like earlier on in the year. I saw on TikTok to follow up our conversation last week about this gigantic cup. Uh, someone on TikTok learned that it holds an entire bottle of wine. That is <laughs> it really important knowledge. I. It's my favorite cup. <laughs> so big. Just has water. Does not have a bottle of wine. It should. It really should. Today's Grid Walk is super exciting as we welcome another special guest on this week's episode. Grid Walk talks a lot about marketing. We work in marketing. We love marketing. And we really love when groups or organizations are able to find a way to appeal to a younger, a younger demographic. A special shout out to F1 Juniors. Let's keep those broadcasts coming next year. Let's have them available all the time. They're so fun and great to watch. Today's guest is doing an amazing job in creating a way for kids to learn about racing in a way that's fun, easy to understand, and probably my favorite part, engages to all genders. With his experience in marketing, a fan of motorsports, and being a father, Andy Amendola, also known as at Red Racer Books, is the author of ABCs of Racing, which is available in multiple languages, unbelievable, <laughs> and all about race cars. If you're looking for a gift, I've given it as gifts, and it's my cousin Cameron's like favorite bedtime book. Um, he gets he's reading it over and over again. But your favorite young racing fan, really any fan at all, it doesn't have to be young, even adults. Uh, I have my own copy. You should definitely check out Red Racer books. Both books are great introduction to the exciting world of motorsports. So Gridwalk is very happy to welcome Andy on the show this week. Hi guys, I'm Yay. so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. None of us attended Austin this year. None of us were at CODA. And it felt really just worse this year than previous years. Something just felt like there was... <laughs> exactly. It felt like Austin had a little bit of extra special magic in the air. So my podium is all of the moments at CODA that just kind of gave me a lot of FOMO and really made me feel like I was missing out. Every moment of every day, I don't know how you're going to pick a yeah, P1. Every second. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. Uh, I think an important disclaimer is I did have to do some rearranging of this podium on Monday um, because certain things Sunday evening were shifted in this podium. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, which leads me to my honorary mention, a Lewis Hamilton P2 finish. This was P1 on Sunday, and it no longer exists due to things that we'll, you know, discuss throughout the rest of the episode, but there was some disqualifying, and it no longer made me feel... Sunday, during the day, I was like, I can't believe I'm missing this P2 celebration. Last year, I got to see this in person. And so the, it, it has been demoted off of my podium, but it felt like I needed to mention it, that it was there for a period of time. I think if we were there, the disqualification would have felt so much worse, and I would be more delusional about it now than I even already am. Where I would just be like, nope, I saw it. He was on the podium. It happened. But at yeah. least we've been able to savor it for a little while. You know, celebrate it. Yeah, exactly. The upgrades it was, worked. You're right. The upgrades <laughs> worked. I felt like it was a personal attack that it was like Lewis and Charles. I was like, of any of the drivers that you're going to pick for me right now to just disqualify, I, I, like, come on. Really? That's That was absolutely painful to watch. But uh, on to the next race. And on to my P3, Coda's friendship bracelet making stands. Coda's this year really embracing the friendship bracelet making mentality that's taken over like everything in the entire world. Shout out Taylor Swift and everyone who's done it before. Uh, we've talked about Coda really leaning into that and taking advantage of that female demographic uh, that's really into that. Uh, and then there was so much content creator footage over the weekend and there was legitimate stands. So next to the merchandise, next to the information stands, there was in that Coda font, friendship bracelet making. I would never believe that would be at an F1 race. I feel like we've come so far. And I feel like we've been pushing so much for things like this that I can't believe we weren't there for like the culmination of this moment. Also, beads are expensive. So the fact that instead of, we, we could have just went to make friendship bracelets there versus last year when we both bought beads and traded friendship bracelets with each other on our own. 100%. Uh I think it's a huge win. I think it's like, it lets fans feel like they're seen. I mean, exactly. it's, it's so cool that, that Coda did that. And, and I wish I, I, my, my kids would have loved making them and yep. I would have loved to share them. Cause Coda, like I met so many people the last two times I went and this is just like another way to connect with people. It's so cool. Yeah, exactly. That's some of the best parts about going to F1 races is meeting the people that you're seeing online and conversing that way. And it's, it's, it's a, such a great, easy icebreaker when it's already someone that you know. So hopefully it continues and hopefully we'll all get to trade them next year. Uh, now, going into my P2, this oh, was giving me goosebumps and I was almost in tears. Adam Driver's introduction oh. for Austin video. Unbelievable goosebumps. And I know this man is in full Ferrari mentality, like, you know, coming off the Enzo Ferrari biopic, but it was like everything I love about Formula One just gave me chills up and down my spine. I rewatched it numerous times. And anyone who doesn't know this needs to know 
that Nicole Katz loves Kylo Ren. <laughs> it's like a big red flag that I I I'm partial Love. to the dark side and like it's kind of a, like something I don't like to necessarily say out loud because people are like um yeah I love Kylo Ren um yeah, so Kylo I mean, Ren Adam, yeah can't hate on that I mean I have a man crush on him <laughs> like we all and that do. video was amazing and it was all about family and I was just like wow. Who made this? He does a great voiceover. Like he feels like he, uh, he could eventually take the torch. For I just want him to now do all the nature biopics. <laughs> the the yeah. new David Attenborough. Exactly, <laughs> new David Attenborough, new Morgan Freeman, new yeah. Yes. He's totally coming for all of these types of things. He's, the he's next also generation. good at waving flags too. Great at waving flags. Right? The Indy five hundred. I think, flags, flags, right? yeah. Yeah, I think he's, he's quite. Uh, yeah. It's all that lightsaber training. That's exactly where it all comes from. (laughs) (laughs) And wrapping up my P1 moment, I really just could wish I could have witnessed in person the F1 Academy finale. So not only did I just want to be able to witness any bit of F1 Academy live this year, but last year at CODA, the W Series was canceled, but not like officially, but all the events of the W Series was canceled at CODA week of. So we didn't get to see any of that live. So not only was there female racing live this weekend, at the same time as Formula One, it was being broadcast, but like Marta being crowned the champion of this new like feeder series of everything was so special when a year ago, this current series in that place had been canceled. Um, so it felt really special. It would have been wonderful to see in person. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to see that next year sometime. And uh, hopefully Marta will be in a different seat in a different series. And this is a feeder series. Just calling that out there if it's doing mm-hmm. what it's supposed to do. <laughs> that's right. I have to agree. Like, that's definitely the biggest thing I, I feel we missed out on. Hundred percent. I was watching the races at home with my kids, and I was sharing Bianca Bustamante's moment where she got the McLaren shirt, and like we got all emotional, and like then we watched a race, and and her car stalled, and then we, oh. but then she like m- made her way back through the pack. I was like, this is amazing, like, and actually when I went to Coda in twenty twenty one, it was W Series had their final race after the main event, and it was the first time I saw like women racing and I was blown away and I, and so yeah definitely want to see more over this I'm over spring yeah. races this is not a new opinion but I'm still angry about it well I can normally ignore it because they they're putting it on races like Baku and I'm like well that race weekend probably would have been a meh weekend anyway but on Kota weekend this is like the this is a podium track on the circuit this is always a banger race it's such a good track why would they ruin it why they're under the impression that this is something that people want i don't know well we're here to talk about the sprint race and how we and we've brought this up before this isn't like a new opinion or an unpopular opinion but like we're officially over we're over sprint races there's a million and thousand reasons as to why they aren't doing what 
you know, everyone's, like, their initial intention, like, what F1 wants them to be doing, they are not doing. And it's just hurting racing overall in general. It ended up, like, just ruining the race for me because... Ah! I don't know. I'm mad. I'm angry. I don't want any more sprint races, or if I'm going to have them, put them on non-quote-unquote podium races. Put them on least popular race calendars if you think it'll make people care more. I don't know. I'm over it. I just... Okay. So, I understand that F1's goal is to make money. Right? That's that's their whole thing. And they think that sprint races can make more money. And we've talked a ton on this podcast about how F1 makes a lot of decisions that don't make a lot of sense because they're making them to benefit in-person ticket sales and to make promoters happy. Because instead of making the overall racing product better, they're st- I believe, based I'm inf- inferencing this, I haven't seen the books, that the number one uh, revenue line on their, uh, you know, P&L at the end of the month, year, etc., is going to be ticket sales or promoter fees. And you and I have discussed a lot about how that is not where they should be investing in because the vast majority of people are not going to get to go to a race at the prices they're currently charging. So the idea seems to be, I'm, you know, F1, if you want to come sit here and explain the plan to me, I would love that. But until then, here's what I'm inferring from my marketing and business work, plus my knowledge of F1 together. Stefano, come on the pod, explain Please. the entire business oh plan and prove us wrong. It'd be fantastic. No, and I would love that. Like, I, I want this explained to me. Because I think part of the reason I dislike sprints so much is because both sides of my brain don't understand them. There are so many things in life that you and I are like, mm, don't love that, but I understand the marketing decision behind it, or I understand the business decision behind it. So cool, whatever, moving. Like, I'll move on with that. I'll, I'll jive with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sprints don't make sense in either way. <laughs> but I think what happened is that promoters think they can sell more tickets if there are more relevant points giving on track actions. And I think we can all now agree that that's not the case. F1 ticket sales have been down this year. Like Coda clearly struggled to sell tickets considering they were being sold at Costco for an extreme discount. They're still desperately trying to sell out Vegas. Like, I don't think F1 ticket sales are going to go up or down. Well, let me put it this way. Last year, Coda sold out so much easier and there was no sprint this year they struggled to sell out and there was a sprint now you can make the argument that maybe they would have struggled more to sell out if there was or wasn't a sprint but i think the reality is just tickets are too expensive relative to current interest in f1 and that's a global thing and guess what's not going to fix that bad on track sessions that ruined the actual grand prix on sunday yeah it's just ah I mean, it just looks like they're leaning too much into the, like, the sexiness on paper of, like, uh, ooh, a sprint race on Saturday, and then the real race on Sunday. More racing. Race, race. Formula One is racing. You like cars going fast and racing when that's not, in reality, what it is. But it just seems like that's the idea they're leaning into and not thinking anything else because it's not that thrilling and exciting and... 
extra points up for grab like for what like ooh eight points ooh like it's not gonna make a big difference right now and then we all know exactly what's gonna happen on the Grand Prix weekend because we saw the pace oh and guess what all the teams have no like we had four cars start from the pit lane because they got the setup so bad after one free practice that doesn't make for better racing and but I don't I don't want to get too lost in like yeah sprint races suck we all agree they suck but what this all goes back to me is that everyone still seems to be making racing sellout decisions based on a world pre the internet and globalization. So in the 80s, for example, whether or not the Japanese GP sold out didn't have a lot to do with global popularity of a sport. It was like, can we, can we get these promoters to promote that this event is fun enough to attend to people in the Japan area? For the most part, not every race was like this, but I'm just broad strokes generalization here. Now, traveling to different races from different countries is a big deal. Like, I don't think whether or not Japan sells out has a ton to do with how successful Yuki is on track. Like, do you think Japan would struggle to sell out if Yuki wasn't in a seat? I don't right. think that that is connected at all. Like, having Logan Sargent on the F1 grid does not correlate to more interest in F1 from America. Nope. People would get, so, honestly, it would probably, if suddenly Logan was beating Max, good. and if you had someone from a country come out of nowhere and, like, really cause a disruption in that way, then I think you could. But you're not going to get that. You're not just going to get that because you have the driver from a country on the grid. That's not going to happen. Like, of course, the Netherlands cares a lot more about... F1 right now than they did before. But that's because Max is really good in winning. Right. So, like, whether or not a race is selling out has more to do with the overall quality and popularity of the sport than it does with, is the event fun? Are there on-track sessions that are exciting? It just feels like the super outdated strategy that's so frustrating to me where you're adding something that doesn't add any value to really anyone because when you're there you're just happy to see the cars on track whether or not it's a competitive session and i like to know that my cars uh that i'm rooting for are getting the proper time to set up for the track that they're at so that things don't get messed up and screwed up at the race that i spend all day watching on sunday to just go out the window afterwards right right imagine if you go to a grand prix and you watch the sprint race on saturday and you were like okay that was kind of boring but at least the Grand Prix tomorrow, and then you're told by everyone, oh, by the way, now we know exactly what's going to happen in the Grand Prix. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, even if you're not a diehard fan like we are, like, I just, <sighs> look, they're not going to stop doing sprint races. It's this nope. tool they can get to appease promoters. I understand why Coda got one, because F1, by the way, promotes Vegas and Miami themselves, So, but they don't promote CODA themselves. So I'm sure the promoters in Austin were real pissed that there's now two other American races that F1 is directly competing with them. And so F1 went, here, have a sprint. But we don't want more. If there are more than six, I will scream. More than I am now. Over it. Whoosh. That's my impersonation of Brianna's air conditioner. Hey, podcast listeners. Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's paddock elites. 
Hello everyone, welcome back to Gossip Grid. I'm here to give you absolutely everything that you need to know about Formula One and pop culture. And it's one of those race weekends where there's so many pop culture things going on with Formula One that I feel like I'm going to miss it. So if I miss something that was your favorite, it's not a personal attack on you. This is just, we're just two people with a podcast and I can only talk about so much and there is a jam-packed list I have here. I have to start with Bad Bunny's new album featuring the new song Monaco. Released an album last Friday. In this song called Monaco, I am not singing in Spanish, so I am speaking the English translation of it. There is literally a line that says, Verstappen arrives first, Checo arrives later. There you go. The shade. In- oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, the English translation may not be as sassy uh, as it is in Spanish, but that's exactly what I'm going to go with. Now, heading into Coda Fun. Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, rocking Kansas City Chiefs jerseys. Because as we talked about last week on the pod, Alpine has once again gained investors that are all athletes. And uh, two people on that list, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Nothing. Uh, the the scream that I scrammed, scrummed, whatever, you know, last week when I saw Esteban Ocon in a Travis Kelsey jersey was unbelievable. The Alpine, I can't even speak, Alpine team using Taylor Swift references in these posts. F1 is for the girls. F1 is for me. Everyone is for... F1 F1. For... I can't. I can't even fathom all of this. Really leaning into football because America... Ferrari, take notes on how you should actually be doing this. All right. So celebrities are back on the F1 grid. It looks like because the rider strike negotiations are going well. Hey, SAG, looking at you. Let's get things moving already. Um, and maybe this race being in the U.S. and stuff. But celebrities are showing up and care about F1 again. Um, the one thing I need to make a big complaint about, of course, the one year I don't go to Coda, Joe Jonas and Dak Shepard both go to Coda. I'm pissed. This is not fair. Okay, just get off that soapbox for a second. Drew Barrymore hung out with Red Bull in a full RB fit. Unsure if it was a full actual fireproof fit. She interviewed Checo. Maybe we'll see that this week on the Drew Barrymore show. 100 meter sprint champion Shakari Richardson gave out the trophies for the sprint race on Saturday. And she also filmed an entire behind the scenes clip with GQ Sports on F1 Academy, which is really awesome. Gail King, who you can see on CBS Mornings and Oprah's best friend, presented the F1 Academy trophy, trophy awards. Rory McElroy, who is also one of the new investors of Alpine, posed as Esteban, Addy's, Esteban Ocon's caddy on the day of the sprint race and was carrying around his helmet and putting it in his locker. And then him and Pierre and Esteban did some putting on a mini green. Pierre sat down with Jackie Stewart to talk about the impact of French motorsports driver Swens. Francois Surveyor, who is uh, Pierre's helmet, paid tribute to him this past weekend. Prince Harry, do we still, I don't know if we still say Prince, Duke of Sussex. I, all that got taken away. I have He's no Prince. idea what his name is. Right. No, I don't know what his last title. name is, so I will call him Prince Harry because I don't He's think anyone. He's Prince Harry. No one right. would know anything else. And I, But in this moment, I was like, I don't know what their royal family's a very, name is. <laughs> a very sunburnt Prince Harry hung out. <laughs> With Sir Lewis Hamilton. With Sir Lewis Hamilton. I walked from the Mercedes garage. It also looked like George gave him some of the new GR merch that also kind of looks like it's Boy Scout merch. Adam Driver was at the Ferrari garage. Uh, This meant so much to me on so many different levels. So if you did not know, Adam Driver is playing Enzo Ferrari in the upcoming biopic. Please check out this trailer. It's unbelievably epic. It is really important for me to point out that the Ferrari movie is part of the 
addendum with the strike and everything going on that they're allowed to They got approval to Thank you. They have special approval for all of this. But Adam Driver is unbelievably unrecognizable in this trailer as Enzo Ferrari. Highly recommend, like, checking this out. Comes out um, around Christmas, but they filmed a a bunch of behind-the-scenes content with the movie's director, Michael Mann, and with Charles and Carlos in the Ferrari garage. Unfortunately, it's on Sky Sports, so someone, you know, Download it and send it to me in the States. Thank you so much. Vogue highlighting Motorcore. It's incredible. We've seen Motorcore as the trend ongoing throughout the last couple of months, but they've posted on their Instagram highlighting the effect that Motorcore has had on the fall 2023 fashion. And I quote, they said, tap the link in our bio to discover items and looks that will help you channel your inner Lewis Hamilton. So Vogue recognizes real fashion influence. Did you see that it's, like, confirmation that the thing that's dropping on Thursday, which, by the way, so, like, this episode drops Thursday, which means we won't be able to talk about it on this show, but Lewis is dropping, like, an agave drink, I believe it is. Non-alcoholic, but that's what he keeps teasing. Yes, I have signed up uh, for whatever, like, the link is on the website to get the text messages and things, but now everyone's going back and looking at all of his Instagram stories and seeing the bottle posted in the background and just the things that were on computer screens, but yeah, there's definitely pictures from an agave. It looks like farm, and it also just makes sense that that announcement would be coming in, like, leading up to Mexico. Really great timing. Super hyped to try it, and just flashbacks to our episode with Bryson where he's definitely drinking something in the media pen and it was definitely this. So it was Hamilton marketing genius. Continuing to a different type of marketing genius. No, it's okay. Even though I don't necessarily think this marketing genius is entirely on purpose. It's just who he is. Gunther Steiner has his own burrito at Chipotle. So Chipotle and is one of the bigger big sponsors for Money Grand Pass this year, and they really leaned into it. Coda at one of the Chipotles in Austin, they had one of the show cars, and fans were able to go and take pictures with the car. And also for a short period of time, and I guess if you just go order this at Chipotle, you can get the Gunther Steiner burrito, which is funny. I would have pegged him as like a bowl man. I don't know why. I can't imagine him eating a burrito. But his order. I can't is- imagine eating. Like I can't imagine most of the. European men in the paddock, like, picking up and eating a burrito. Like, yep. Could you imagine, like, Charlotte Claire eating no. a burrito? No. 100% no. That, his hands are too dainty for a burrito. Okay, I know the episode's too packed today, and you have so much more still to get to in Gossip Grid, but which of the 20 F1 drivers, not named Logan Sargent because he's American, and not named Checo Perez because he's Mexican, Damn. which of the other 18 drivers can you actually imagine eating a burrito? Carlos signs. Oh no, I can't. Like he's like only. Be, oh, he's, I was gonna say just because I think like, it's, it'd be really spicy and like it would be a good one. I don't know. He's like Spanish aristocrat family. Like I, I don't know. I can't imagine him like physically eating a burrito. Oh, I, I like, take it, Daniel Ricardo. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah for sure. Okay, I can actually Max Verstappen. I think I could totally see eating a burrito. Maybe yeah, like a burrito of brown rice. Yeah, I mean, it could be healthy. It's just... Oh, I mean just bread rice. Oh. Like, that's it. Why? I don't get it. What, what I joke just think Max Verstappen here? is not going to enjoy flavorful food. This is now <laughs> just, like, I just think he's going to have a tortilla full of brown rice. <laughs> <laughs> I think underdog here, though, I think Fernando Alonso, like, I don't think he's ever had a burrito, but I think he would totally like 
Like, I think he would be a burrito, not a bowl order. Yeah, I don't, now I'm just imagining him, like, using a samurai sword and, like, slicing a burrito in half. But I, I've just been looking too much into the interest of F1 drivers. Um, what was I okay, doing? Okay. This will be my last... <laughs> no, I can't promise that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, up where you were. Hunter Steiner in his burrito orders. Well, look at that. Brown rice, black beans, barbacoa, fajita veggies, sour cream, and guac. Gunther does not care that guac is extra. Um, I would like to file a complaint with Alfa Romeo because it is so unbelievably clear that no Swifties work at Alfa Romeo. And I'm all for every single person and every single team anywhere in the world leaning into this Swifty vibe that's taking over the world. But... Debut, not 1989. Debut, 1989. Joe and VB had incredible cowboy outfits this weekend. Really leaning into the country vibes. Incredible. Yes, this upcoming Friday, October 27th, Taylor is releasing 1989 Taylor's version. So, Alva Romeo put Cowboy Joe, Cowboy VB on the cover of 1989 Taylor's version, which is so silly because it's not, it's actually like her first. It's not country. It's her first, it's the first Taylor Swift album not labeled country. Right. You could, like, yes, I don't think it would have made a ton of sense on red either. And, like, but. It doesn't make sense, period. No, but, like, put them on the Fearless cover, put them on the debut cover. Like, maybe I would then be like, I was infuriated and I wouldn't even call myself a Swiftie. I was infuriated on your behalf. Yeah, really didn't make any sense, but like, yay, Swifty F1 crossover, but like, boo. It would be if like they put at, if Ferrari took Adam Driver and was like, Kylo Ren joined us in the paddock, and it was like a, a Marvel Endgame poster. Like, yes. You're right. That is exactly what it feels like. And they, and then they shrug and go, well, it's Disney. And you're like, but no, they're so different. Not the same thing at all. No. All right, Hire a woman, up. please. <laughs> Not too many things left. Have to acknowledge Lewis rocking incredible paddock fits. He's wearing things coming out for like the spring 24 collection, so we're already seeing like where his style is headed, like going into the new year. He rocked this new diesel uh, spring 24 runway collection, like whole really sick pattern suit. Um, I also just love when Lewis wears yellow. I think it's like just a beautiful, amazing color on him. And one of my favorite outfits that he wore on Sunday was this bright yellow Versace sweater vest and this like colorful pearl necklace from Polite World. No surprise, Lewis just like knows how to dress himself. Duh, he is just incredible. And my favorite thing, I had to pick like only one of the million incredible things that Coda did this weekend. But they gave every single driver a personalized bolo tie. So last year they gave every single driver their own pair of cowboy boots that like match their vibe. These bolo ties go above and beyond. And when I say personalized, it's not just like initials. Carlos Sainz got a rubber ducky with sunglasses. Nico Hulkenberg had a Hulk smash on his. Alex Albon's featured the entire Albon Zoo. VB's had all the ingredients of his gin. But Lewis had the best one. His featured Roscoe, elements of his tattoos, interior design elements, and his was the only one made of vegan leather because Coda knows what they're doing. Anyway, this was an extendedly long gossip grid, jam-packed with everything that you need to know about F1 and pop culture, and sorry if I missed a couple of things because there was a lot of things that go down in Austin every single year, 
and can't wait to see what continues to go on through the rest of the F1 season. And next time, we'll probably be able to talk about all the details of whatever Lewis is actually announcing this week. So we will catch you next time on Gossip Grid. Thanks for tuning in. Shout out to you for rolling with the punches all through your way there. F1 circuits with the best corner names or track names, turn names, whatever you want to call it. And I've been so excited for this because I don't know any corner names. Oh, so spoiler alert! Spoiler, spoiler alert! <laughs> um, none of the new new tracks have names. Uh, this is something for the original tracks. So there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of old school favorites here. So honorable mention goes to Spa. And <laughs> you do it. I'll do it. Sorry. You do Sorry. It. <laughs> We're not I'm used keeping to the that third. In. That's what happens. <laughs> So for Spa, I mean, it's everyone's, you know, people love it, historic track. And Eau Rouge, if I'm saying it right, and Radion, those are some classic track names. We wouldn't be able to correct you. So you're as best of a guess as we would have had. Yeah, that's a historic track. But the turn names, it's got one, two-ish famous ones. But overall, there's, I think there's some more interesting ones. I do think the more difficult to say a turn name is, the more likely I think it's a good turn name because I don't mm-hmm. know any. So you just sound impressive whenever you can say, oh yeah, that corner name is this fancy French word. So I think it's a good in- honorable mention inclusion. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so P3 uh, is Monza. All right, so Monza's in P3 because uh, it's the Temple of Speed um, and and this I found out when I was translating my book to Italian. People there call it Pista Magica, which is the magical track, and I love. And I just love saying the names of the corners, you know, Curva Grande, Parabolica. I mean, Parabolica just sounds impressive. Um, Especially with you know. that Italian accent. You think? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to throw, um, this was actually a perfect way to, for me to ask. If you spoke Italian, because I know if you, you're translating your books in other languages, do you speak all of those languages? Or was it like the Spanish, then finding other ways to translate? It's a little bit of the Romance language kind of vibe. So I, I do speak Spanish and English, tiny bit of French, um, but I have Italian roots. My name, Amendola, is, is an Italian name. So I have Italian roots. and. I mean, growing up, Ferrari it was the car. It was everything. Right. You know, I, I like to say that, you know, um, Enzo Ferrari's famous quote about, you know, tell a child to draw a car and he's going to color it red. Like, for me, that resonates so hard. Um, so Mons is like number one on my bucket list. And, you know, they go for quality over quantity. Not a lot of turns, but those turns, you know, they have nice names and it's fun to say it. And, the, you know. So Red Racer books, I'm now I just feel like I unlocked an entire connection of like, that's Red Racer, now we're back to Ferrari Red, and there's the whole... There is a reason behind the red, yes. <laughs> it is, yes, it's kind of the, the origin story. I mean, he's not Italian, he's a bicultural character, but yeah, I mean, red cars for kids, it's yeah, just the that's thing. The... It's just a thing, you know? That's it, Lightning McQueen and all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, um, P2, Silverstone. 
Uh, now this one I love because Silverstone is one of the OG tracks, and it also used to be a um, you know Air Force um, whatever hangar uh, runway whatever. It's one of my favorite fun facts to tell. Right, people. and I like that because F one cars have so much like crossover with planes, aerodynamics. Mm -hmm. You know the drivers wear you know full on jumpsuits. There's so many things, and and the whole stem piece really speaks to me but the names are also fascinating because they have all sorts of names some of them like are like landmarks and some of them you know are historical but there's some of them are just fun to say like maggots beckett's chapel you know cops corner um which is i always thought was like cops like you're gonna call the police um, which is actually appropriate because <laughs> it was the scene of the crime in 2021 where Max and Lewis had their little collision. The scene of the crime. Um, Great way to exactly. phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, then it has like, you know, Abby, it has, uh, and like, these are like, there's like farm, because there's farms, village for Silverstone Village. There's Stowe, which is a school next door. Um, and they have the Hamilton Strait, which I love. There's so many, like every name has a meaning. And that's what I think is really cool about turn names. Like, it's really hard to, to like remember turn three or turn seven. But if you know the names, you can kind of attach yourself to it. And there's a little history and kind of, you know, I think more tracks need names. I so. agree. 100%. I agree, but I will say that Silverstone is the hardest race to watch because I feel like the broadcasters make a point to never say a turn number. So if you do not, personally, since I can never remember turn names, if I don't have the reference guide open while watching the broadcast, I'm going to be lost the whole time. I'm like, I have no idea. You could be talking about turn three. You could be talking about turn 14. I need it. I need my reference book for it. We need F1 multi-viewer to have the track map Ooh, updated specifically just to have the turn names for races like Silverstone or any time like that just so we can see exactly where because I, yeah, I remember that whole debacle of like I need to look at the reference where yeah. everyone is I think F1 juniors could do this in a very nice way you know pop up with like I think that and I think kids would love it I mean it's yeah. it's so much cooler to talk about cops corner than it is you know turn seven or whatever yeah yeah um, I agree. and I actually that's a funny story because I was watching like an FP1 and you know they go on like these they talk about all sorts of random stuff but whatever Will bucks in one time went through and like talked about every single corner I was like oh that's what Stowe and Vale it's not a ski town okay interesting <laughs> So, he yeah. has a Rolodex of history in his brain that is unbelievably impressive for him to just pull out. Yeah, he, that definitely sounds like a moment he was like waiting to flex and like oh, yeah. this is like that perfect moment of he's like, watch me do this and name every corner and I'll tell you why. And it is that is impressive. Yeah. That is a great skill. Yeah. I would love to see someone look out. Hold my mic, Jillian. I got this. Exactly. He's like, hold on, everyone. Give me the next 15 minutes. I got you. I'm, let me teach you about something. Okay. All right. All right. So and P1. What's your P1. P1. I don't know, it might be a, a hot take. Bonico. I was wondering what you were gonna put ahead of Silverstone. Like that felt like the peak. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I struggled with this one because I, I love all the tracks, especially the old school ones. But when I was going back through and looking at them, Monaco is just kind of, it's a special place, you know? Mm -hmm. And the names are all kind of, you know, 
there's swimming pool or piscine, which is like, okay. Like that's one you could say to someone who doesn't know anything about F1 and be like, what, the swimming pool? Um, there's uh, Tabak, there's Raskas, and then they have like tunnel, which isn't even a turn, but they call it the tunnel, and the chicane, which is like just one of my favorite words, chicane. Um, what else? There's the hairpin. They just call it the hairpin. It used to be the Grand Hotel hairpin. It became the Lowe's hairpin. There's just so much history within all of them, and like they represent certain things, and it's. And I think this year when they did the F1 actually did the broadcast and took it over, you could kind of enjoy it. You could see it from above. You could see everything so clearly, and and you kind of just feel the history, the heritage. Um, so for me, that's also on my bucket list. I know people hate on the racing or the quality of the racing, but if you're a driver, everybody wants to win Monaco. Mm -hmm. That's top of their list every time. So I don't know why people this hate podcast, on it. Our like we are both Monaco apologists. We love oh, Monaco. Oh, good, beat. okay. We yeah. love Monaco on this yeah. podcast <laughs> so very much. Yeah. I, I, I even say casino, because like, did you yes. know that People from Monaco can't even go into the casino. Like, yep. Where's, where's yeah, that's place? crazy. I, yeah, I, Monaco is also, I mean, you named, your podium is like our bucket list of races. Like, it, it is what we really want to go to, but we love Monaco. It is, we enjoy it every single year. I mean, this is the year that we got to see the floor of the Red Bull. So oh, that yeah. just felt like a, a magical floors. weekend <laughs> in itself. Uh, it always is just a, like a wild time. And exactly to your point of like every driver like wants to win Monaco. And so when there's like that amount of stakes and not that drivers ever, you know, care less, but there's just a little bit more oomph into in Monaco. And yeah, it's, it's got gravitas. It's oh, it's... yes, that's the perfect word. And I completely disagree that it's not exciting on track racing. It's just different exciting. And the broadcast this year made it so much better. I felt like I actually knew where we were on the track the entire time. But I think what's exciting about Monaco racing is that they could crash any second. Like you just get one on board and I'm good. I'm entertained for the whole time. Like I, I think I will never say that overtakes equals exciting. Like there were a lot of overtakes at Kona this weekend, but I wouldn't necessarily say that this race was more exciting than Monaco was this year. 100%. And I thought this race was very exciting. Like it's not a, but, but yeah, we'll forever be a Monaco apologist. I'm there with you. I got your back. We actually, this is like not, I guess maybe we can if this is an interesting question, you think. I'd be really intrigued to know if like Puma just got like an unbelievable, like did they just also get like a ton of brand new investors? Because the expansion that they've like really dove into this past year is crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Or I would be intrigued to see if they got a new CEO and CMO at least. Because it seems like their creative direction over the last two years has dramatically shifted where they really leaned more into streetwear. Mm -hmm. And I I noticed this a lot when we were shopping for like what to wear to Coda last year. And I went over to Puma because they have the Mercedes collab. And I remember just exploring the rest of their site and realizing like, wow, I actually really like their shoes and I like their non-motorsports stuff too in a way that I definitely didn't expect. So 
Yeah, I don't have the answer. That's a long way of saying, I don't have the answer to your question, but I've also noticed it. And I think that they've really leveraged the sports they have really well to create this more cool streetwear vibe. And who, who and what they're signing on makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, some could say it, that, like, even if they're sh- arriving what, maybe a little late to, like, a trend or something, they're just, like, doing it all in the right ways that's appealing very well to yeah. the consumer that's so interested in streetwear right now. So why we're talking about this is because it was announced Monday of this week that ASAP Rocky is going to become the creative director for the Puma F1 uh, collections, just as a whole. So Puma has been the main supplier of merch, essentially, for Mercedes and Ferrari for a while. A couple weeks ago, they announced, and by a couple weeks ago, I think 10 days ago, they announced that Williams is the next team that's signing on for them. But a couple months ago, they were announced as the new licensor for all of F1's global merch. So F1, the brand, not including the teams below it. Um, And then this week, we got the announcement that Aesop Rocky is going to be the creative director. So I'm reading from the Puma website here, because I think when you hear creative director, what does that mean? Particularly, like, this is not, like, Gucci's creative director. They don't do fashion shows. So, like, what does this actually mean? So they said that immediately what's going to happen is that later this year, Rocky will drop an extremely limited Puma slash F1 collection, which screams to me they're excited about this. They want to push something out quickly to keep our attention on it. Um, this apparel and accessories collection, so side note, I think it's interesting they're going to do accessories, they already know that, will provide a sneak peek into a series of capsule collections in 2024 surrounding high visibility F1 races. And then in 2024, Rocky will focus his creative attention on several Grand Prix races beginning in Miami, uh, blah, 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 other business words. <laughs> so basically, he's going to come in and use his expertise at being cool and he's going to make a bunch of stuff, is the the layman's terms for this. But I'm excited because F1 merch isn't the coolest overall. Like, there's a reason that you and I always are hype and obsess over whenever PacSun drops something because that the PacSun licensing deal has been so much cooler than anything F1 has put out like on Fanatics, basically. Um, so I'm excited for this. Like, I can't say that I'm necessarily ASAP Rocky's target audience, but I think I'm going to like what he puts out. Yeah, I definitely would not label myself part of ASAP Rocky's target audience, but I do think whatever collaboration happens, I think it. his opinion and takes on streetwear, working with the Puma branding, I think will align yeah. really well. But what's firing in my brain, and it does not surprise me at all, that of course, like, he's starting with a collab in Miami. We rewind back to the Miami GP gossip grid. We were like, why is ASAP Rocky in Miami? And where is Rihanna? Because why is he here by himself? Right. He was hanging oh out my with gosh. The Miami GP. And I'm sure this was already like a topic of conversation. Puma was doing things. I'm sure there was meetings going on and he was there for like inspo and that kind of stuff. But yeah, so this had to be in works for like a really long time. And like, it was just the next U S race to announce it i am i would be shocked if we don't get like another teaser at vegas or if he's not there like rocking like some piece of the collection in some way shape or form even if it's not available till next year but i'm really excited to see 
what Puma continues to do. And I was already excited to see them expanding into more teams. But the fact that they are bringing on someone that has such a strong influence in the fashion industry in this way and just kind of his style really vocalizes how Puma is trying to align themselves with this particular line. I think you're spot on with the Vegas thing because they're saying he's going to do a limited capsule collection. Basically, they're they're announcing this and they're going to do something limited. Like, end of November Vegas, that feels spot on for doing something very limited to end this year. Mm-hmm. Um. Holiday shipping, you're going to get all that there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like super oh, limited so to create a like, supply demand. It It's oh. laying out there perfectly for it. It's going to be sick. I wonder if he'll, like, so then there'll be, I wonder if the individual teams will also do drops along when he does drops, or if it'll, that'll just be kept completely separate. Yeah, I don't know, but I would love to see, even if they don't, like, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Williams, like, if they take influence from the main F1 drops that he's creative directing, and we get, my big thing with this is that, too many thoughts at once. Coming back to reality, I have two things. Thing number one is the photos that they did and they dropped with this just make me excited for what they could do with this. And I hope it affects what the team's merch is as well because the direction that they've already shown just in the imagery and the photo shoots are really cool. Like the the glasses. the track jacket that was like the red stripe. Um, And then I will also point out that there's this image on the press release where he's wearing these like very ASAP Rocky streetwear cargo pants and on the back pockets, the F1 logo is there in like really cool stitching. Like I'm very excited for what can be done here just based on those pants. The thing, the only thing that I'm going to just like raise the alarm is they better be making women's options with this just because I want them. Not because I'm sitting here like, be inclusive. I'm like, no, I want to buy this stuff. If I can't buy cool cargo pants that have F1 on the butt, I will be upset. That That's all I'm saying, is that if this is not going to include me, I will be sad. <laughs> that's all. I, mean, I believe in them. I believe that, I, I mean, this has got to be such a level of inclusivity. If they're really going to go this big with it, it would be ridiculous for them not to, but I'm going to give yeah. them the benefit of the doubt until seen otherwise right right that that's what i'm saying. just vocalizing that i want it that's really i'm just putting it in the universe hi i want this please make sure there's women's sizes and cuts for things thank you hi Pooh, like if they don't do you a are a fan of the pod <laughs> oh. <laughs> and i will also put out there into the universe you know rihanna would be a good spokesperson for things just, that's the just other thing saying. it's like I, it's gonna be rihanna and asap walking into the vegas gp oh my god all of them in matching tracksuits with lewis hamilton i need this now put their Stop! babies in matching tracksuits oh my <gasps> goodness did you hear the rihanna rumor that we might be getting an album next year I, that's been a rumor every single year since i was one and i will always buy into the rumor and be excited yeah that's fair and allowed and one year it will be true this weekend on the race broadcast F1 did something I personally have been clamoring for, which is they put fans doing more than sitting there bored looking at 
cars going by. And I've wanted this for so long because I think being a fan, part of the fun of being a fan is getting to yell and scream and cheer and interact with the people around you. Particularly for most F1 races, there's no like, home team. Like Monza, Ferrari's the home team. I think Silverstone, like for the most part, Lewis is the home driver with a smattering of Lando and George, but it's, it's Lewis. Besides he has a turn named that, after him, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the whole street. He is a uh, knight. Right. <laughs> it's a little hard to compete with the eight-time world champion Lewis Hamilton of his home race. But I, so I want fans to feel like fans. And so F1 doing a crowd shot, like the one I'm going to share on the screen, because Andy, I can't believe you haven't seen this. This is so exciting that I get to share this moment with you. Um, so first, let's, let's do that. Let me share my screen so you can know exactly what we're talking about here. This is something that you would only, I feel like, see at uh, an American sporting event or right. just really diehard uh, fans. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way you okay, no yes, way I, see this. I did see this. Yeah. <laughs> his head with a smile on his face. <laughs> In your face, sir. His... <laughs> so when I saw this on the broadcast... I was overjoyed. I just I couldn't stop smiling and laughing. I was like, this is me. This is me at a sporting event. Like, I just want to interact and have fun with the people around you because that's what sports are there for. And I was so frustrated and disappointed by the very negative response to this online where I realized for the first time, not for the first time, I realized this constantly, that American sports fans are very different than the traditional European sports fan. That's an understatement for sure. But, but yes. also an overgeneralization. I know, like, what I don't understand is that Europeans at soccer games put us to shame. But for some reason, Europeans at F1 races look at something like this and they're like, oh, how dare you have fun? I'm like, so my podium for you all today is I pulled three clips that happened in the last two weeks of American and specifically Philadelphia sports fans. Because if I'm going to flame people, I'm going to flame my own people. Doing things at sporting events that I think would make a traditional F1 fan just, just keel over. They'd be like, what is going on? That may be the All longest right. podium title name ever, but I'm here to support it. I'll simplify it on the screen for those watching on YouTube. All right. P3, we talk about the Kelsey brothers all the time, but Jason Kelsey chugging a beer at the Phillies game. <laughs> Philadelphia is a different place in the best way I say that. Is he a big guy or is that beer kind of small? <laughs> well, he's a big guy and I think that beer is a little small. Um, fun fact, this is the second time the center of the Philadelphia Eagles, Jason Kelsey, was put on the screen in this game. And he also chugged a beer the first time he was on the screen because he's decided that that's what the people want to see. And he's right. Right. I challenge anyone who is on the screen for a future F1 race instead of sitting there looking bored, chug your beer. Daniel Ricardo, do a shooey. Thank you. Right. It's too right. expensive Some... to drink it that quickly. It is. <laughs> Someone 
going to a shoey in the audience. How have we not seen that? That's been too long. Oh, I'd love to do a shoey. It's yeah. because I wasn't at Coda this year. It's because it's hot Our... in Austin and those shoes are not. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, P2. A kid at the Sunday Night Football Eagles-Dolphins game flies a different kind of bird. Oh, boy. Like this, this is this child may be three years old and is has more dexterity of flipping off someone his middle finger than I do at the age of like twenty eight. Like, like, I would I like to point out. That, <laughs> well, I, I would like to point out that this is posted on the official Philadelphia Eagles account. Like this is endorsed by the professional team. <laughs> Can you imagine any F1 team, like if this was a video, a fan video, like imagine Ferrari like reposting of like fans flipping off each other. That would just, it would never happen in Formula One. That is, you're so right. But it should. And look how happy that Dolphins fan is. This is fun inner team banter and reactions. <laughs> yeah, right, reaction is, is priceless. Yeah. <laughs> He won American fan things that happened this weekend that would cause an F1 fan to, to freak out. Phillies fans taunting a Braves pitcher while he warmed up. Oh, gosh. What are we saying? We want Bonnie, it's his mom's name. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. More things that definitely would not happen at an F1 race. No, and I'm not advocating for that. But I just know that it will never happen. And I also just appreciate the commitment to the bit that Philadelphia sports fans do where they had to look up his mother's name to chant it at him. The research, <laughs> the commitment to the research is what makes Philly fans stand apart from every other fan. You can't hate on that passion, though. <laughs> they care. They care. Yeah. That is the optimistic way to spin. Not advocating for the P1, but I am advocating for have fun in those grandstands and be nice to each other, but you can have some friendly, you know, crap talking back and forth. Like the fun of F1 is being there with other people. And like, like when we were at Coda, there were a ton of Red Bull fans around us and we were very clearly Mercedes and Ferrari fans and that was okay. And we all talked and had banter and, you know, I was like, great job. And it's okay to have fun. Sports are fun. <laughs> That is my, my yeah, ending soapbox of this. It's it's competition. I mean, that's what it is. And it's a good way to learn about, you know, sportsmanship even. There you go. True. You know, like you said, you know, give them a hand if they win. But it doesn't mean you can't talk a little, you know. Let's that's smack. part of the fun of it all. <laughs> well, thank you again, Andy, Red Racer Books, for joining us this week on Gridwalk and for our podiums. Is there anything that you would like to share? Tell the people what you're up to. Yeah. So thanks, Nicole and Brianna. This has been amazing. So much fun. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. If, if um, anyone's looking for 
kids' books about Formula One racing. You can find them at redracerbooks.com. They're also on Amazon. And all my socials are at redracerbooks. And I'm the only one who works there. So I will respond personally. And I love connecting with fans. And if you are a fan of open wheel racing, I will be releasing an IndyCar book early next year um, and more. And um, yeah, and if you want to learn different languages, my books are in English, Spanish, Dutch, and Italian. This Thank is going to be how me. I learn French. <laughs> <laughs> That's next on the list. That is next. I already have a, a translator. Who's, we're working on it. There you go. And all of the links to everything he mentioned will be in all of our descriptions below. So definitely go click and check out all his books. Awesome. Oh, and so. Coda, uh, sorry, use code yeah, Coda for $5 off. Amazing. Love nice. a good deal. Every week after a Grand Prix, we put up polls on our Instagram to get all of your thoughts on what you felt about the Grand Prix weekend. We're going to run through the results of those polls now. So first question is, are you surprised that Aston Martin has fallen so far? And I gave options from one to four, one meaning not at all, four being stunned. Nicole, where, where do you land on this spectrum before I, I have the three? I think, I believe, and again, this is where you can sometimes verify if my answer as the keeper <laughs> of all of the polls. Um, I really, the beginning of the season, did not think that Aston Martin was going to fall this hard, let alone now be in the place where McLaren has leapfrogged. Like, beginning of the season, me would be very confused about the current state of F1. <laughs> yeah, well, you did pick the most popular answer. 36% of the people who voted on the poll also picked a three. 21% picked four, 29 said two, and only 14% said they were not at all surprised. So I what do think do this know? averages out to a three. I'm kind of a two. Like, Aston Martin has never shown they can upgrade a car throughout the season, but Coda, whew, that was dramatic. All right, question number two. How badly did Mercedes let down Lewis Hamilton this week? The options were no words too mad, lots of words very mad. And 56% of the people said no words too mad. Nicole, did you have no words or lots of words? I think I had lots of words. I, I do have lots of words and I say lots of words in this podcast, so. Same, same. It, for me to go from no words to lots of words, like lots of words is an angrier version of me where I'm just gonna dismantle. And so to me, it was on the lots of words level. All right, sprint weekends. The options were still suck, don't affect my weekend viewing, and they rock. And only 7% of people said they rock, but someone did vote for that. So whoever you are, please reach out to us in our DMs and tell me why you like sprint races, just because I need to know. But the winner of this poll at 53% was still suck. 40% of people said it doesn't affect their viewing experience, which is fair. If you don't watch the sprint, it... If you I don't watch didn't the sprint, watch the it doesn't sprint. affect your experience. <laughs> right. <laughs> Logan scored points. His 2024 plans. He saved his Williams seat. There's still an opportunity or he isn't returning. Nicole, where'd you fall on this before I give the results? He's not returning. He didn't score points. Two people were disqualified, so he scored points. <laughs> he was on a plane <laughs> when he scored I points. Agree. Technically, 
He won't go down in the leaderboard as an F1 driver who didn't score points if he doesn't return. Uh, but 47% of people agree with you that he isn't returning. 33% feel like there is still an opportunity there, and 20% said that this is it. He saved his seats. I will say that there was a little bit of a leak on something mis like written on the Williams site that came out on today, Tuesday, where we were recording this, that might have spoiled that he is coming back, but nothing in F1 is formal. Nothing is ever final. Did we all get too excited about Oscar Piastri too soon? Yes, it was an overreaction. No, off weekends happen. Or option three, this week-to-week -week analysis is exhausting. This is my favorite question. I can't remember if I said uh, off weeks happen or this week-to-week -week analysis is exhausting. Because I believe in Oscar, but I'm also exhausted. Well, 79% said no off weekends happen, and I said this week-to-week -week analysis is exhausting. <laughs> but I think that's a byproduct of us having a podcast and talking about it. Maybe, but that analysis happens anyway. And final poll from the USGP weekend. I was curious what everyone listening thought. Who, the, Which team in the non-Red Bull division will be the fastest at the Mexico GP? The options I gave were Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, Other. Other got zero votes. Ferrari also got zero votes. They were zeros. Not even one hopeful Ferrari fan decided to check Ferrari on our poll. Um, but 60% of people with winning decision said McLaren. We're going to be faster than Mercedes at Mexico. Hmm. Which leads us perfectly into, let's go preview the Mexico GP. I'm sure if we're feeling a crunch for another race, F1 teams are also feeling a crunch for another race. I've said this up top, but triple headers are a lot. It's, uh, but thankfully Mexico is a fun, a fun race. And oh, I just had a moment where I remembered that Taylor Swift performed at this stadium where the track is and weren't people sitting in the grandstands? Brianna brings up a Swifty thing before I get to. Yes, this is where Taylor Swift performed and like so many fans were sitting outside that they filled the entire grandstand. So as I'm watching all my like previews and news and clips of things for this upcoming race and I'm just seeing like all these clips of the circuit, I am thinking, wow, this is where the Eras Tour was. And I also <laughs> love the Mexico GP. I, I mean, last year it was... Exciting for me as a Daniel Ricardo fan, so I think I just have like this like bias this in my brain of like I really love the circuit. I think it's really cool. I'm obsessed mm -hmm. that the circuit cuts through like this like stadium thing. It's what I want Miami to do so badly. Uh, so I think it's a great race. I think it's really fun. Um, and yes, Taylor Swift has now been at this track. So I think I will think that a lot during this race. Every time they drive through, I'll be like, that's where the stage was. Oh my God. This is basically a preview for when Nicole records her post-race weekend superlatives. Like, a lot will need to happen in this race for her to not make it about the Eras Tour. Yeah, really a lot, because that, that was crazy, of, like, yeah. watching the Eras Tour live stream from F1 circuit grandstand seats. So, uh, we're going to do our predictions. Uh, I'm mad about last week's predictions still, but we're just going to move on week's prediction and we'll give some some fun previews as we go along uh but nicole who do you have as your p2 this week my p2 this week i have sir lewis hamilton 
Me too. Yay, go us. We're being optimistic. I just need, I feel like he needs a redo. I mean, for a lot of reasons of upgrades seemed relatively optimistic. I feel like this could be a successful track for Mercedes. She says confidently. <laughs> yeah, that sounded super confident. Um, I So this is a really high-speed circuit, and the Mercedes car is super high drag. But the interesting thing about Mexico is that because the altitude is so high that I actually think the Mercedes car could go really well here because everyone's going to have their highest downforce configurations, even though there's a lot of straight-line racing at the Mexico GP. Um, I also just refuse to not be positive about Lewis Hamilton doing everything he can to almost win the race. So maybe Mercedes won't mess it up this week. Like, Mercedes did everything they possibly could to prevent Lewis from being P2 last week, and he still got it, and then they did one more thing to prevent it. So I refuse to move him from my P2 slot. Yeah, yeah I guess, like, my earlier... I hope this circuit's good for Mercedes is like, a, okay, so maybe we'll do a pit stop that's not 18 years long and maybe we won't mess up a like a tire strategy in a way and just different ways like that. Not necessarily anything about the circuit itself. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, I think it's just normal as Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton fans that we just feel some general fan anxiety when we're predicting positive things for the team. All the time. Yeah. Who P3? do you have for P3? Uh, I kept the same as last week. I'm putting out positive vibes because Oscar Piastri had a rough week last week and I want him to have a positive week this week. So I'm going to put Oscar Piastri in P3 again. And I have the other man in papaya, Lando Norris, at P3. <laughs> we spent too much time together. Yep. That is <laughs> true. Honestly, I was just ready for us to have like the exact same podium. So this at least feels like there's a little bit of... I have a chance to get points here. I feel like based on this... We both are feeling relatively positive about the McLaren and the Mercedes setup and both don't feel great about the Ferrari setup for this week. Which, fun fact, because Ferrari's whole thing is that their tires degrade worse than those other two teams mentioned. And of course, Red Bull. I'm not talking about Red Bull. Uh, Pirelli went a compound down this year. So we have the softest range of tires versus last year. And if you remember last year, the reason Daniel Ricciardo did so well is because the hard went really long for him and he was fast. So I think it would be, I don't think we can one-to-one -one predict last year's strategy to this year's strategy because the hard that did so well in the race last year actually isn't even an option because that compound isn't there. All right, who's your P10 this week? In this moment, I have two names written down and I do not know what to do i'm so unbelievably torn do you want me to go first no because i i'm gonna make my decision and okay. in i am putting nope i'm not gonna do that i am picking Ooh. alex albon for p10 which doesn't make any sense in ways no here's the thing it's 50 50 of if this sense. track no it could work for williams and it could also not work for williams depending on how you know everything with the altitude and the downforce work but alex albot has also showed that anything that he could do with this williams car no one really else can so the last time downforce wasn't necessarily working in williams favor alex albon got me points so i'm sticking with alex albon in p10 
Yeah, I think the Williams will do well this weekend. I considered Alex for my P10, and then I feel like every time I put Alex in my P10, he ends up P9 or P8, and I'm like, nope, no more, and I would rather Alex finish higher. Uh, yeah, I went back and forth a lot over this P10. I was like, do I want Alex? Like, Because I do think the Williams will go decently well at this track. Uh, I then thought about how I felt about the Alpine this week and how I feel about the Alpine is that the high altitude is going to make them their power unit blow up. So I just oh, stayed gonna... away from the Alpine. Oh, I think you're going where my brain was going. So of the remaining bottom cars, I do think the Alvatari has the biggest chance to score points this week. So I went with Yuki Tsunoda again. Yeah, that, okay, well, I was going to pick Daniel Ricciardo because Daniel Ricardo and a Honda power unit. Um, but yeah, that's, I was basically flipping a coin between like Williams and Alphatari for that yeah. PU, but yeah, that's makes sense. Who knows? We'll see. All right. Who is your last to cross the checkered flag? So reminder, if they DNF, they didn't cross the checkered flag. They don't count as this. I am keeping K-Mag in my last to finish. I'm keeping Haas there, and I'm ignoring that this past week at Coda, it was Daniel Ricardo, and then K-Mag right above him. Uh, yep, really <laughs> close, so it was close enough! I'm keeping K-Mag in, uh, in my last to finish. So, I always struggle with this one. I feel like it's the hardest to predict because DNFing or just retiring a car feels like it happens all the time to save power unit life, etc., etc., but despite the recent run of more positive performances from the Alfa Romeo, I don't think their car is as well suited for this track. So it hurts me to say it, but I'm going with Joe Guan Yu. Oh, wow. Usually when it's an Alfa Romeo pick, it's a VB pick. But wow, we're really... Yeah. I know it really hurts Sorry, my heart. Joe. That's so yeah. sad. I, honestly, I decided to do... I did this the same way I do it almost every week where I picked the team... And then I flipped a coin, and it landed on the Joe side. But That's fair. I hope the fit is good. Oh, the fit's always good. Fit you will know. definitely be good. Yeah. All right, our last thing here. What team not named Red Bull will score the most points this weekend? I put McLaren. I also put McLaren again this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of... I will not move away. <laughs> yep, I'm, I won't do it. I need that point. I want that point. And I think it's just... It's going to be so close. Like, with that, who's right behind, like, Red Bull, and basically after what we saw this weekend. So I think... Yellow Sector Notes, not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock, hitting every F1 garage. This week, there was a ton that happened in the race that we obviously couldn't get to, This I'm sure. I don't know how long you've been listening to the episode, but it's been a long time now. So a lot of our Yellow Sector Notes today are things that happened in the race last weekend that we think are worth touching on before we head to Mexico. So starting with Red Bull, they did have a down weekend by their standards, and it, I can't believe we didn't get to fully discuss this on the pod this week. Um, so despite no one being able to capitalize on it, Max had brake issues the entire race. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if that continues to be a problem going into this weekend. Mercedes note today is a fun one. Happy 11th birthday, Roscoe Hamilton. Our favorite superstar of the paddock. Ferrari note today is about Charles Leclerc. Variety reported that he signed with Endeavor Management Agency, which is a US-based agency 
Um, they will handle all of his Hollywood-related and media-related projects. Um, I think he now becomes the third dri fourth driver on the grid to have some U.S.-based management. Um, obviously, Daniel Lewis and Alex, Alex Albon are the three other drivers. This feels like a long time coming. I'm shocked it took Charles Leclerc this long to sign on with someone and start doing more U.S.-based projects. McLaren jumped Aston Martin for fourth in the Constructors this week after Lando was promoted to P2 at the USGP. Speaking of, Aston Martin and Haas both got their setup so poor this past weekend that they started from the pit lane. They're likely both very excited for the full suite of free practices we're going to get at a normal race weekend for the Mexico GP. Uh, so some notes about how they spent the USGP. If you missed it, Aston spent it as a testing session where Alonso got the Qatar setup of the car. Stroll got a modified setup of the upgrade so they could compare and contrast. Um, and we'll see what they bring this week and what they choose to run. It was announced this week that Alpine appointed a new power unit technical director. He spent the last three years at Ferrari and previously worked for the Mercedes PU Center. Uh, Williams left the weekend with the strangest double point finish I've seen in a really long time, but yay Alex Albon P9. <laughs> Romeo is looking to compete with Williams for P7 in the Constructors after what looked to be a very successful upgrade they brought in Qatar. Um, they also are the latest team to hop on a rear wing cutout trend in the back. All the rear wings are starting to get this very dramatic slant in the corners that has been cut out. Gunther Steiner admitted that the upgraded car they ran this weekend did not correlate to what they expected, um, and not just because it was slow. And last but not least, unfortunately, Daniel Ricciardo's return to the car was a bit lackluster, but I'm sure he is looking for a better result this weekend that will make Nicole Katz much, much happier. That is the grid walk for October 26, 2023 completed. How was my sexier time today, Nicole? Faster than Mercedes pit stops. Thank you to voiceover man. Thank you so much, Andy at Red Racer Books for joining us this week for our podiums. It was so, so lovely to have you. Definitely make sure you go check him out on his website and on all social platforms. And our four-legged executive producers, another birthday shout out to Roscoe, honorary executive producer this week. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, leave us a comment. You have no idea how comments like really one make our day and help other people find the podcast, but comment what's your Chipotle order? We know Gunther's, so what's yours? If you're an audio listener, don't forget to follow, turn on auto downloads, rate and review the pod. It'll take you it'll take you two seconds to put a big smile on our face. But leaving a comment, leaving a review, giving us feedback about the pod really helps everybody else find the podcast. Share it with your friends. Make sure you're joining us for Daily Good Rocks on all of our social media platforms at Gridwalk Show on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads. Everywhere in the world you can find us. We'll be back to walk the Formula One grid every single Thursday, and we sincerely hope that you join us. Today felt like a grid disqualification than a grid.